Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. We are ready, aren't we? Yes. Let's just open in prayer uh, briefly. Lord, we come before you tonight. Thank you for your presence. Lord, we uh, need your help. And there are uh, all of us tonight have come uh, to receive from you. And we just come in expectation that your word is going to build us up. There are those of us who, uh, in the course of uh, the last several days, have been beat up uh, uh, spiritually or, or emotionally. And tonight, we pray grace to flow and your strength through your word. We believe you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. <clears throat> amen. Okay, uh, just real briefly before we get started with the class. Uh, this couple, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, <clears throat> had just an outrageous argument before they went to bed, and so they went to went to sleep without speaking to each other. They got in such a such an argument, they just got mad, and so they went to bed, didn't even speak to each other. <clears throat> now, Mr. Smith needed to wake up early the next morning, but they weren't speaking, so he left a note on his wife's bedside table, and it was just tears and to the point, wake me up at six, you know, like that. So the next morning he wakes up, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and he rolls over and he's irritated, he's exasperated and he sees a note on his bedside table, it's six, get out of bed. Get it? So there's a moral to that story and that is don't go to bed angry, right? Okay, so last week we, uh, we opened this series, The Armor of God, just kind of with an overview. And if you weren't here last week, I do have copies of that lesson. Uh, and if you'll see me after the class, I'll be around. And I can give you a copy of last week's class. I'd encourage you to pick up one of those. Um, and also through the week, as you go through this upcoming week, I'd encourage you to go back over the lesson and just let it kind of, maybe as a devotion or something, let it get in you, uh, because these are important truths, and, and all of us know we're in a spiritual battle, don't we? Okay, and so this week, last week was kind of an overview. This week, we're going to start dealing with the specific pieces or the individual pieces of armor that have been given to us for spiritual warfare, and each one of these pieces of armor are really important for us to have. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11 and through 13 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now tell yourself, I'm not fighting against people but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, <clears throat> against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Okay, so this, this portion of Scripture here in verse 11 and verse 13, twice we are told to put on the whole armor armor of God. Doesn't just say, you know, put on uh, this piece or that piece. The whole armor, all of it is important for us as believers to put on. If we just have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, guess what? We're going to get beat up. If we have all of the armor of God and don't have on the helmet of salvation, guess what? We're going to get beat up. Our head's going to get messed with. And so, Nobody wants to have a messed up head, do we? And so I want to clarify again. We, I mentioned this last week, and we are in a very real war. It's a spiritual battle. And by saying spiritual, it doesn't mean it's imaginary. It's very real, isn't it? And anyone who's been a believer for any length of time from the uh, the, 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 the point that we become believers, 
there's a, a battle before we're believers. There's a battle. We just didn't know about it. We were, you know, off somewhere else. But after we become Christians, after we're born again, we begin to understand that we're in a spiritual battle, right? And the, the, the battle that we're involved in is as real, if not more so, than any other war that has ever been fought. I read somewhere that there were some 620,000 soldiers that died in the Civil War. One out of five of the soldiers that were in the Civil War died. One out of five. And the, 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 the thing that I read was like, like one-twentieth of the population in the U.S. died. It's pretty significant, wasn't it? Now, the st statistics vary over the total number of fatalities during World War II, but it's estimated that between 50 to 70 million people died because of that war, either directly or indirectly. It's a lot of people, isn't it? Now, I'm not trying to minimize the tragedy of all of those lives uh, that were that died, or and the impact against families and all uh, from from those battles and and all the others over throughout the generations. Uh, and I don't mean to make it the the suffering that was experienced to sound trivial, the Vietnam War and the impact of that. Some, some here uh, tonight uh, were in the Vietnam War, and, and it was uh, the impact of that is still being felt in many lives to this day. And so I'm not trying to make th those sacrifices that were paid to sound trivial, but I do want you to hear this. It is not even possible to compare the severity of suffering in natural wars as opposed to spiritual warfare. <clears throat> the truth is, <clears throat> every death since man was created can be directly attributed to the impact of the spiritual war that we're in. Amen. From the moment that the serpent tempted Adam and Eve and they surrendered their authority, mankind has been involved in a life and death, heaven or hell, spiritual battle. And so when Jesus came and died and rose again, he gave us everything that we need to win every spiritual battle that we face. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Ephesians 6, verse 11, and the Amplified says, Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavily or heavy-armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. And so if you have a pen there, uh, underline that word or circle it or something, all. Because uh, if we are wearing every piece of armor that God has provided, we will be able to stand up against every attack of the enemy. Now, I would like to be able to tell you that I have withstood and stood up and conquered and defeated every spiritual battle that has come against me since I uh, became a born-again Christian. But I didn't. I lost some of those battles. Uh, but that, uh, the reason I lost wasn't because God uh, was on vacation or just wasn't there. He's always, he says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, right? So God, God is always faithful. He's always on time and all that. But the reason why I've lost some battles over the years is because I, didn't, I wasn't armed right. I didn't have the whole armor of God. And so we need every piece, don't we? Okay, so we're going to start 
with the first piece of armor that's listed, Ephesians 6, 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. So this is the belt of truth. Last week I mentioned that uh, Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians from a prison cell. And so he would have had uh, Roman soldiers around him, and no doubt he got some of his inspiration for the armor of God by watching these soldiers that were armed with uh, their armor. And so he was constantly guarded by them. So he, he probably picked some of this inspiration about the armor of God by looking at these soldiers. The soldier's belt was one of the most important pieces of armor. This was the thing that held all the other pieces uh, together, or many of the other pieces of the weaponry together. Uh, if, if the soldier's belt wasn't in place, he was in big trouble. Okay? Now, this is true even uh, with us today. It's, it, with, with men, their belts are a lot of times very important. We might, not, we might not really think about the importance of our belts, but belts can be very important. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever really complimented somebody, uh, a man, for his belt. I have looked at guys' shirts before and, and uh, said, you know, that's a nice-looking shirt, or those, I like those shoes, or something like that. I don't know that I have ever complimented uh, a guy's belt. I might have, if they had a big uh, silver and turquoise belt buckle, there was somebody in our church that used to have a belt buckle that had a silver dollar that was in it. And I like that. I, you know, though, and I, I may have complimented somebody's belt buckle, but I'd never, you know, it's not like, ooh, that's a really nice belt. You know, a belt is a belt. They're pretty much, they're just kind of functional for us as men, Right. But they can be very important. Uh, if some of us took our belts off, it could be problematic. <laughs> right? So the Roman soldier's belt was important. It was a, a piece of the armor that would hold a lot of the other pieces together. The, the sword hung from a scabbard that was clipped to the side of his belt. The breastplate was attached in several places to the belt. And so the armor of a Roman soldier could literally begin to fall off piece by piece if they didn't have the belt around their waist. And so we are kept or protected by truth, the belt of truth. And in the following verses, Jesus tells us exactly what this truth is that protects us. John 17, 14 through 17, Jesus says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify or, or set apart them by your truth, your word is truth. So, the belt of truth is God's word. And his written word is what brings protection to us. Now, I'm going to talk about uh, the spoken word and our speaking the word of God uh, in, in an upcoming lesson. We got two more of these uh, in this series to come, and I'm going to talk about uh, the sword of the Spirit and speaking the Word of God in one of those uh, lessons. But uh, I want to look primarily at God's written Word, the Word of God, the Bible, God's Word. So notice in John 17, verse 15, Jesus' prayer wasn't that we would be taken out of the world, but that we would be kept from the evil one. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to be taken out of the world. I am looking forward to the day when we are taken out of the world, uh, either by uh, d 
never mind. I'm not going to, I don't really look forward to dying. I, I'm rooting for the rapture. I, I'm Jesus coming back. That's, but anyway, uh, there are days that we all want to be taken out of the world, huh? Just uh, go on to be with the Lord. We've had some of the, some of you have had one of those days today. And you may have even thought this would be a good day for you to come, Jesus. Come quickly. But we are still here, aren't we? And so Jesus said, I, have, I didn't pray. My, my, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but they be kept from the evil one. Now, look at these verses, uh, verses 14 through 17, where Jesus says, I not, I, I'm not praying that they'd be taken out of the world, but they'd be kept from the evil one. Uh, this verse, verse 15, is bracketed by statements of how we would be guarded and protected from the enemy. And he says in verse 14, I have given them your word. In verse 17, he says, sanctify them or set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. And so God's word is what keeps us from the evil one. Spiritual warfare, one of the, the major areas where we will be able to stand in spiritual warfare is when we have God's word and, and practice it in our life. Psalm 119 and verse 160 says, The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. And so it's the truth of God's word that brings us protection. John chapter 8, verse 32 and 33, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Now, I... I wrote that last phrase, know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, freedom and liberty and just the ability to live life uh, a lot more unencumbered and, and the ability to stand against assaults and attacks are, comes through God's Word. And so we live, and, I, and this number three that you see there in your notes, I said, we live by truth instead of lies. Now, that's, I should have put, we should live by truth instead of lies. Because the reality is a lot of us as believers, sometimes we, we hear th th there are thoughts that are lies that are put in our minds by Satan or by other people or whatever that we sometimes may yield to. But we, uh, our real life, our spiritual life should be lived by the truth of God's Word, Okay. John 8, verse 44, Jesus, this, how many know Jesus was pretty straightforward in what he said some, all the time, but this is one of those real straightforward uh, words. He said, and he was speaking to these uh, religious, uh, uh, falsely religious folk, and he said, you are of your father the devil. That would get you thinking, wouldn't it? And the desires of your father you want to do. He was, they were plotting to kill him. And so he says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, you need to remind yourself and just tell yourself the devil is a liar. He is a liar. He, uh, if, his, if his lips are moving, he's lying. Uh, and he lies about God. He lies about who God is. He lies about what God does. Uh, uh, constantly, there are people ascribing things to God that he never did. Uh, a crisis, tragedy happens somewhere in the world, and, they, uh, and people on the news or someone somewhere will say, an act of God. And God uh, is accused of all kind of things he's never done. Uh, the devil is a liar. He, uh, the person of God and who, what God is like is lied about all the time. There are many of us that 
have notions about God that are not necessarily founded in the Word of God. And we, we need to learn who He is and what He does, right? Okay. Uh, the devil lies about us. He lies about us to other people. He lies about us to ourselves. He lies to us about who we are in Christ or, and, and uh, uh, what we're able to become or not to become. He said, you'll never, you'll never measure up. You'll never be uh, a real Christian. You'll never, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he's a, he's a liar, right? So I got a rhetorical question, a couple of rhetorical questions for you so you don't need to answer out loud. How do we know who God is and what he's like? How do we know who we are in Christ and what we can become through him? There's only one reliable source to find the truth, and it's in God's word. And it's no mistake that the belt of truth is the first piece of armor that's listed. Now, remember, I, I mentioned the soldier's belt is what kept a lot of the other armor together. And the truth of God's word, listen, will keep us together. I want to be kept together, don't you? Uh, the, the God's word will help us in so many areas of our life if we'll just look into it, study it, hear it, uh, let it get into our hearts. Uh, the, the importance of God's written word in our lives cannot be overemphasized. I, I, it's just critical for us. We live, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We, God's word is what gives us life. And so it not only gives us life, it not only instructs us, but it also protects us. Another rhetorical question. Can you imagine how vulnerable we would be to the lies of the devil if we didn't have God's word to counter them? And so I, I listed just, these are just a few. And the first one is God doesn't love you. How could, how could God love you? And I know that probably everybody here in this building at one time or another has heard that lie. God doesn't love you, but John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jeremiah 31.3, I love this verse. God says, I have loved you with everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. And you can look these up, the full verse, later if you'd like to. Uh, another lie that the devil tries to, to plant in our minds, and this, uh, from, the, from the moment that we get saved, and it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for, for a year or 40, 50, 60 years, every once in a while, Satan will try to sow this lie into our minds, and that is, God doesn't care. If he cared, then why, blah, et cetera, et cetera. First Peter 5, 7 says, he cares for you. It, really, it, goes, it says, casting all your care, your anxieties upon him, because he cares for you. So we need to know God cares for us. How are we going to know he cares for us? Because his word says that. Another lie is you'll always be sick. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, by his stripes, you were healed. And so we can uh, a counter sickness that comes against us through the Word of God. Uh, you'll never get over being afraid or fearful or anxious. This is just who you are. You, you, you're just going to have to learn to live with this. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so uh, these and so many other lies of the devil, will, we, can, we can knock them down effectively through the truth of God's Word. Amen. And I want to encourage you that I, I mentioned last week that uh, there was a time where I 
I committed uh, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10 to memory. I was using it as a meditation. Be strong. I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The more I, I took that as a confession and a declaration, God's Word, the stronger I began to be built in my life. And so, if you're dealing with a sickness or if you're dealing with fear and anxiety and all, I'm not saying that just quoting one verse and then immediately uh, every uh, battle and that lie is dislodged. Sometimes it's, it is. Just, just His Word and that, uh, that lie is just banished and you feel a sense of relief. There are other times where there's an onslaught and we need to practice again and again putting God's Word uh, into uh, practice in our life and to, and to believe it and to speak it. And I'm going to talk more about speaking His Word again uh, in another class where we talk about the sword of the Spirit. So every day we need God's Word, don't we? We ought to read God's Word daily. Get into it. Take it. Take it in bite-sized chunks that you can get and, and allow it to get into you. We need it, God's Word, to get into our lives. It's the only way that we will effectively be able to counter the lies of the devil. And we should let the, the Bible be uh, that governor in our life, the, the law, the ruler, or I put the final say-so in our lives about who God is, about who we are, about what we can do and accomplish, about what God does, God's Word has the final say-so. Say, I believe it. Okay, so the belt of truth. Then secondly, we're going to talk about here for a bit the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6 and verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So I want to read, I'm going to read a couple of, of commentaries from, one is by Rick Renner uh, from Sparkly Gems from the Greek. It's a book that I have, uh, and then I'll tell you about the other one after I read this. But Rick Renner says these words. The breastplate, and he's a Greek and Hebrew scholar, he says, the breastplate was an important article of defense that protected the front torso, and all of the vital organs from a mortal wound. It was often composed of a solid, solid piece of metal, but it could also contain numerous small pieces that were sewn together uh, to cloth or leather that overlapped much like the scales of a fish. These scales could number as many as 700 to 1,000 per coat. And Okay? And so... Uh, the next quotation is fairly lengthy, but I thought it was worth bringing to you because it's, it's really good. Perry Stone is also uh, a really good authority in, in the word. He's studied God's Word for so much, and he's got a book that I got a hold of called There's a Crack in Your Armor, uh, Key Strategies to Stay Protected and Win Your Spiritual Battles. So he, he says these words. This breastplate was placed over the shoulders to protect both the front and back of the soldier. The bottom of the breastplate was tied to the belt. Notice that righteousness must be tied to the belt of truth, as there is no righteousness unless we receive the Word of God, which is the Word of truth. John 17, 17 is the quote. Uh, and this is Perry Stone speaking, so as I say, I it's Perry Stone. I have often heard that the soldier's back was the only area that had no protection uh, on the Roman breastplate. After research and after purchasing an entire replica of the Roman armor for sermon illustration, I discovered that was not correct, or that was incorrect. Thin metal sheets also formed a protective covering around the rib the back rib cage, and the entire breastplate was tied together by leather straps in the back. These individual and layered metal strips gave freedom of movement to the soldier in times of battle. The spiritual application is that righteousness does not mean to be rigid or self-righteous or legalistic, but righteousness 
is a joyful, heart-filled expression of a life redeemed by God. His righteousness covering your heart brings freedom to enjoy God's blessings and to wage a good warfare. Okay, that was a mouthful. I do want to say before I get into this about the righteousness of God, one of, one of the things, before I became a born-again Christian, I, in my high school years, I saw some guys that I used to party with get saved and their lives were transformed. And I thought, especially this one guy, uh, he was eating acid one day and the next day he had gotten saved and his life was completely radically changed. And I looked at him and thought, well, that was good for him because he's going to get busted anyway. You know, he's going to end up in dead or in prison. So. But I could not see myself. I couldn't envision myself living the kind of life that I live today. It just, because I thought, that's just not me. <laughs> and I was right. It wasn't me. I mean, to, to live uh, a righteous life, I mean, that was, that was to me, it just wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to stop doing the stuff that I was doing and because that's what I did to what I thought, enjoying myself. I mean, know what I'm talking about, but I, I have to get into all that, do I? And so, but after I got born again, somebody shared Christ with me. I came to a place of desperation uh, about a, a year or two after that guy had tried to witness to me. And uh, I was in a place where I was open, uh, desperate. I asked Jesus to come into my life. He came in and something changed. I, I could then begin to picture living a life for God. I wasn't perfect by any means, but I was changed. And that change began to be shown through my life from that point. And so... Uh, there are a number of us, probably a lot of us here tonight, that never would have envisioned yourself being called righteous. <laughs> uh, I know some of you guys, so I, I know that I wasn't just speaking uh, off the top of my head. Some of you, you just wouldn't have expected. But here, we have the righteousness of God. Okay, so first of all, <clears throat> A, righteousness is something that has been put on us. This is one of the most, if not the most important truth about righteousness for us to get. Every believer, every person who has asked Jesus Christ to come into their lives, to change them, has repented of their sins, asked Jesus to come in and gotten born again, every believer has been given the righteousness of Christ. Righteousness of God through Christ. When God the Father looks at us, he sees us as the righteousness of Jesus. <clears throat> See, it gets quiet because we, that's, we, we think, how, how is that even possible? It's possible by a dynamic miracle that Jesus purchased when he shed his blood on the cross uh, and after rising again from the dead. Uh, this doesn't just happen by somebody saying, you know what, I think I'll just get, be righteous. I thought about that before I got saved. I thought, oh, I'm going to be a better person. And now I quit doing one thing for a day or two. I went backpacking one time, me and just me and my dog. Back in Alabama, went backpacking. I was... Uh, a uh, pretty heavy smoker at that time, and I got backpacked, went down this uh, canyon. Going down was okay. Coming back up was murder. I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm, that's it. I, I'm, I'm quitting. And uh, that lasted about a day, you know. And there were other things uh, uh, going on in my life. I thought, well, I'm just going to. We had a friend in high school that... Uh, that, that died from excess stuff. And so we, we thought, well, that's it. We're going to stop. That lasted about three days until the weekend, seriously. Wasn't, it's, and it isn't. It's, it's just because of who I was and who I ran with. And so there are things. That, so being righteous, living a righteous life just wasn't uh, in the cards for me 
except when I became born again. For us in our lives, being righteousness, being righteous, being the righteousness of God through Christ happens the moment we are born again. So I want you to hold with me because I've got several thoughts in this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For he, talking about God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is such an important verse. This is one of those verses, if you're going to memorize verses and Scripture, this is one of the most vital verses that you could ever memorize about righteousness. When we ask Jesus into our hearts, when we're born again, God begins to see us with the righteousness of Christ. Now, I know it's, it's hard to get our minds around this, Theologians call it imputed righteousness, which means that God imputes or puts Jesus' righteousness in us or on us. Somebody say, thank God. The breastplate of righteousness protects us from the accusations of the devil. Probably all of us here have, after we gave our lives to Christ, messed up, uh, sinned in some fashion or another, and then we heard a statement, a lie that says, and you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself. How dare you even darken the door of a church? Now listen, no matter how good we are, even if we've cleaned up everything that we can think of, no matter how good we are, all the, the vices, the little things that we've stopped and quit and all that, and got, no matter how good we are, listen, Satan will find something to accuse us of. Right? Revelation 12, verse 10 and 11 says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Jesus' blood purchased our ability to stand righteous before God. This is where our confidence in, in prayer to be able to go before the Heavenly Father and our, our boldness. We are to have boldness to come before the Heavenly Father. This is not a, uh, a, um, uh, a, um, an arrogance where we d make demands of God. This is a boldness that comes out of understanding what Jesus did for us and who he made us to become, right? So we can have boldness to go before the Father. Why? Because Jesus has, by his blood shed, we are righteous. So we have the ability to go boldly before the Father. That's a good thing. Tell yourself, that's a good thing. When the devil tries to accuse us, our only effective defense is, no, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good woman. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, and he accuses that it's not going to come our defense by defending ourselves. Our only defense is the blood of Jesus. And so when he begins to accuse you, uh, the blood of Jesus, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. There's a song, an old hymn that we used to sing when I first became a Christian back in 1975, and it started out by saying, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. Upon the solid rock I stand. And all others, you know, some of you, a couple of us remember that song. Some of you have no clue because you haven't heard those old hymns. But that was one. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our righteousness isn't based on our behavior, but on the righteousness of Christ. Now, you got to hold with me because I know some of you are thinking, well, it doesn't even matter what we do. No, you got to stick with me to the end of the lesson before you pre 
uh, judge what I'm saying, okay? okay? Say, I'll do that. <laughs> Thank you. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil, done, evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your, girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. If we try to stand in our own goodness, our own good deeds, uh, our own righteousness, the devil will always find something to accuse us of and knock us down. Uh, when Satan accuses us, we stand on the righteousness of God through Christ. So righteousness is something that has been imputed or put on us because of Jesus' blood and our receiving his forgiveness. Now, B, righteousness is also something that we put on. Ephesians 6, 14, and I, I copied and pasted this from the previous thing, so I'm just going to read. I meant to just put verse 14. So I'm, again, reading verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on the breastplate by doing two things. First of all, something we've already talked about, by recognition. We recognize the righteousness that we have in Christ. And this is something we need to remind ourselves of daily. Daily, we need to remind ourselves, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So we need to remind ourselves of that and we need to remind the devil of it when he accuses us. God's word says I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have what the word says I have. I am who the word says I am, right? Okay, so remember, the belt of truth holds many of the other pieces of armor together. This is true of the breastplate of righteousness. It, the, the, we will be confident of our righteousness through recognition of the truth of God's Word in 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are the righteousness of God in Him. And so uh, the belt of truth, the truth is the Word of God. That Word of God says we are the righteousness of God in Christ, in Him, Right? So we recognize who we are in Jesus. This is freeing. Um, if we will really trust and believe what God's Word says about us, it will free us, help us. Somebody say, help me, Lord. Amen. Secondly, and just briefly, <clears throat> we put on the breastplate of righteousness by practice, something we, we put on. We, we began to... Be righteous, act righteous, do righteous things, Amen. don't we? Amen. Help me out here, folks, Amen. don't we? <laughs> uh, so we, we put on the breastplate of righteousness by practice. Now tell your, you don't have to tell yourself that, but I had it in my thing to tell yourself, practice makes better. Yeah, did I leave that in your notes? Practice doesn't necessarily, none of us are going to be perfect this side of eternity. So somebody breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, uh, but in the midst of our lives, what we are doing is we're growing and we are putting off things and putting on things, right? Okay, look at this. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's describing what I was talking about of myself before I got saved. That was, that was me in a nutshell or us in a nutshell. Who being past feeling had given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Truth is God's word, right? That you put off concerning the former conduct. 
the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so what this is talking about is, is what happens. We become the righteousness of God, and then we begin to live a righteous life. Uh, righteousness brings and should bring a practical demonstration in our lives. People should be able to look at us and see that there is a difference from when before we got saved. Right? Help me out here, folks. It isn't, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, so it really doesn't matter what I do. So if I get drunk or sleep around or whatever, it doesn't really matter because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It is not that. <clears throat> righteousness means that we begin to put off those ways and begin to put on new ones. And I jotted down just as I was uh, tonight, just before the class, I jotted down here to, to make mention. See, I haven't gotten drunk or high in over 45 years. And I'm not, don't applaud or anything because it makes me silent. Because I know who I was and where I came from. I, and, and that it is true that I haven't gotten drunk or high in 45 years. And I wrote down because I didn't want to. And now... I, I wrote that down, and I realized as soon as I wrote that, that's not entirely correct. It is entirely correct that I haven't gotten drunk or high in over 45 years. It's not correct that I haven't wanted to at least a, several times over 45 years. I haven't wanted to in the last week, yeah, but no, bad joke. I did, uh, Jesus changed my life. And he did help me to overcome vices and habits. I am not a perfect person. Uh, but I don't want to get... There have been times where I've been under the gun, under the pressure, and I thought, man, it, you know, it'd just be kind of nice to just get drunk and forget about everything. I have thought that over, not, not real recent, but there have been times, you know, escape. You want to escape and stuff like that. But I haven't. You know why? Because I really, in my heart of hearts, don't want, I want to, don't want to go back to those old days. If you have given in and, and recently or something, then I'm not saying that to condemn you and how, uh, what a horrible Christian you are or something like that. What I am saying is, though, is we begin, after we become a Christian, to begin to let those things fall off. And we let God help us with the... He can break any bondage, any habit, any addiction. Uh, the blood of Jesus Christ is that powerful. And he puts on us his righteousness. See, there were things after, before I got saved that I did that after I got saved, if I did them, I would have felt bad about. Before I got saved, there was a lot of that stuff I did. Occasionally, I'd feel bad about. Most of the time, I didn't. You know why? Because I was blind. The very fact that if you do something that you recognize as sin or you've blown it and, and it bothers you is, a, uh, is quite an evidence that maybe you really are saved because it bothers you. And you say, Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me, uh, get it away from me. Don't want it, right? That's what righteousness. We began to put off those things and begin so. In closing, it's not that I'm the righteousness of God so I can just live any old which way. It doesn't really matter. Get drunk, get high, get what other stuff. But it's because I have been made righteous, <clears throat> I am able to begin to live righteous. He bring, brings an enablement in our life. <clears throat> I'm not going to get drunk, high, sleep around because... It's not who I am anymore because of the grace of God moving in our life. And so we say, yay, righteousness. Okay, tonight we're going to close. I want to pray 
and have you pray this with me, and then I'm going to pray over us and just ask God to seal his word in our heart. Take the lesson with you when you leave tonight, and do go over it, and just kind of let it get in there, okay? Let's just, if you'll just repeat this out with me, I'm going to pray out loud with you, and you pray this out loud with me, and then afterwards, I'll pray over us, and then we'll go. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for providing protection from the lies of the devil by the belt of truth, your word. I allow your word to be the final say-so in my life. I can put on the breastplate of righteousness because of your finished work. I am the righteousness of God through Christ. I can practice living a righteous life through the power of your grace in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me just pray over us tonight. Lord, help us tonight. There are those here tonight, there are things that their conscience is troubling them about. And I pray right now as they think about those and they ask you, Just cleansing over those areas. Bring cleansing, freedom, and forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you that we do not live in condemnation or or a feeling that you're going to get us because you have declared us the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you for the power of your blood to break bondage, to break addiction, to break habits, to help us to be nicer people to help us to really love as you intend. God, help us. And that righteousness, we put on the righteousness of God, the breastplate of righteousness, thanking you that it's possible through you. We praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your favor, your grace, your love for us, your forgiveness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Next week, we'll continue on next two weeks. And so I encourage you. Be back out again. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.